of God, but at the same time, um, it is also true that throughout history, as many people have studied and looked into who God is, uh, they have this result all the way from faith. Um, I've heard from several, uh, heard several, you know, quote unquote Christians who walked away from the faith because the more they came to know who God was, the more they said, well, if all these things are true, then there's no way for me to know God. And, and really, they struggle with some of these, these things that we talked about at this point, right? We looked at the Trinity, which is a paradox. There's one being in the three persons. How does that work? We don't know, right? We call them the not God categories. So there's no way for us to truly know what it means to exist as one being and three persons. We also talked about the infinite energy of God's sovereignty, right? What does it mean to be, I'm saying, what does it mean to be self sufficient? We don't know, right? There was a time when we weren't here. And then there was a time when we were here, and there, at some point, there will be a time when we are no longer here. Right? We don't understand what it means to be infinite. We don't understand what it means to be self-sufficient. We don't understand what it means to be sovereign. And as we have uh, done this, if you have not struggled with wrapping your mind around these things, I might say that you haven't been paying attention, because these are some massive concepts that we're dealing with. And so there have been uh, several individuals who have looked into these mysteries and they walked away from the, from the faith. Uh, most people would say that if these things are true about God, then there's absolutely no way we can know about them, right? We talked about the creator creature distinction. We talked about the fact that there's God and then there's not God, right? And there's no way for not God to get to God. Well, that's true. Then what are you doing here, right? One of my um, favorites. Uh, uh, musician, one of my favorite uh, bands, uh, is associated with a guy named Dustin Kensher. I'm sure none of you know who that is. But he was the uh, lead singer for a band called Christ. Uh, one of my favorite bands, I remember being 10 or 12 years old playing uh, one of the headsets that were engaged on PlayStation 2. And uh, uh, I think it was Scarab Sun, my Christ was on that game. And I remember just being like, this is the coolest song I've ever heard in my life. And so to this day, Christ remains one of my but every singer was also a worshiper. And he was a very solid worshiper. One of the songs he sings uh, here, uh, Grace Alone, as well as Bobby Cooper, those songs that he has written. Well, in the last few years, he's walked away from the face. In the last few years, he's abandoned his face. And he has uh, said things like, uh, no one can look at the Bible and no matter the purpose. And he's also said things like, I don't think the Bible is perfect. I don't think it's perfect relationship or perfect representation or perfect account. That's the only thing that is. And because of those things, he talks about some faith. Now, at one point in time, he was super solid. He was one of my role models. Hearing him talk about his faith, hearing him um, talk about uh, doctrine, those sorts of things, I was, I was very, um, you know, very intrigued. But I, but I looked up to this guy as, as a musician myself, as somebody who has, you know, I love the type of music he plays, the band. But uh, in the last few years, he talked about the faith for, for this very reason. As he, you know, quote unquote, grew his faith or as he grew his knowledge, he came to say, yeah, there's no way we can look at this and actually know what he is. There's no way we can look at God and truly know who he is. And so the reality is that when we look at the creator through the distinction, right, we make clear there's no way for not God to get to God, right? There's no way for what is finite to know. The infinite. There's no way that we can cross this gap, right? There's no way for not God to traverse the chasm and get to God. Let us think for a second. There's no way for us as creatures 
to get to the Creator. There's no way for us to come to the knowledge of God on our own. There's no way for us to traverse that gap. But God. Right? But God, God, as God, can cross that gap. God can condescend to make himself known to his creature. God can cross that gap between the creator and the creature and make himself known to not God. We have no way to get to God. That's the reality of our existence, as being creatures and being finite. But God, as the creator, can condescend to us. God, as the creator, can cross that gap between the creature and the creator to make himself known. You see, knowledge of God, your knowledge of God, does not rely on your ability to grasp it. Your knowledge of God relies on God's ability to make himself known. And going back to Justin to Pinter, when he looks in the Bible and he says, nobody can know what this says. In some ways, it almost sounds like a, like a humble statement, right? Oh, me as a humble human, I can't understand the greatness or the massiveness of this word. What he's actually doing is he's blaspheming God. Because what he's saying is that there's no way for God to communicate clearly to his creatures. But that's not true. It's not true. The God of the universe can condescend in a meaningful way. He can cross that gap. And that's what we see laid out in the scripture. Clearly communicating that God intends to make himself known. Turn with me real quick to John 17, 3. John 17, 3. In this passage of John Gospel, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. And this uh, section of scripture is often referred to as uh, uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer. Uh, Jesus functioning in the office of priest is getting ready to offer a sacrifice on behalf of uh, the sins of his people. And so he offers this prayer to God. And in John 17, verse 3, here's what Jesus says. He says, And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so Jesus says in his own high priestly prayer, that life itself, eternal life, is wrapped up in the knowledge of God. Our life, our existence now, is in terms of the knowledge of God. Remember, we talked about um, we talked about the mirror image, right? We talked about the fact that a mirror image, the image of a mirror, requires somebody to stand there in order for the reflection to be there, right? Right, we said that if Ava walks in front of a mirror, what would you see in the mirror? You see a reflection of Ava. If Ava left the mirror, what would we see in the mirror? We would not see Ava, right? The, the reflection requires the source. In the same way, we require some knowledge of God to even be alive. Our existence requires knowledge of God. And specifically, we'll spend eternity engaging in knowing and growing in our knowledge of God. For the rest of eternity, we will still be finite creatures. We will be eternal creatures, but we'll still be finite, and we'll spend the rest of eternity knowing more and more and more and more about God. And so we see that the knowledge of God uh, is the very essence of life itself, and that's what Jesus lays out in his high priestly prayer. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to look at several passages of Scripture, uh, specifically laying out the new ability. God. Uh, and so let me get someone to look up Genesis 2, 5, or 7. All right, Casey. Uh, Genesis 17, 1 and 2. 
uh, Logan. Uh, let me get someone to look up Exodus 3, 3 and 6. It's not, uh, someone to look up 1 Samuel 3, uh, 10 and 11. Alright, and then lastly, um, Hebrews 1 1. Alright. Alright, basically, so when you're ready, you can go ahead and read for Genesis uh, 2, 5 through 7. When no good of the field has yet in the land of no small plant of the field, and yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to bring the land. And there was no man to work the ground. And the mention was going up from the land and was watered up on the face of the ground. The Lord, then the Lord God, whom the man had dust from the ground to and embraced into his nostrils, the bread of life. And the man became the evil. Alright, so in this passage of scripture, this is, this is the account about the creation of man. And we see that uh, uh, no bush of the field was getting the land, no small kind of field that gets grown up. The Lord God not caused it to rain. And then in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust and breathed into his nostrils to rectify the man came of the What's required for you to breathe into somebody's nostrils? Air, but it requires you to be face to face with that person, right? When we look at John 1 1, you're talking about the fact that Jesus is the eternal uh, member of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, because he lived in a face to face relationship with the Father. We see that this face to face is, it it points to the fact that God created us to be in relationship with him. Right? He formed the man out of the dust, and the man was not yet a living soul until, of course, face to face with him. Breathe breath of life into his nostrils. We see that in our, even just in the, the mechanism of our creation, we were intended to know God. That's what God intended from the beginning. It's inherent in our design. Uh, moving forward a little bit, we're going to look at Genesis 17, 1 and 2. That's right. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God on the walk before me and blameless. Uh, that I may say my covenant to engage you in multiplying Awesome. So we see in this passage of scripture that God is making a, a covenant with Abraham. Abraham was 99 years old. This was not the first time that God appeared to Abraham. He actually appeared to Abraham um, at an earlier portion of scripture. But I love the way that, that this this uh, uh, this chapter, the verses 22, I love the way that it lays it out. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Right, did Abraham go looking for him? Well, no, because there's no way for Abraham to find him. There's no way for the creature to get to the creator. But God appears to Abraham. God made himself known to Abraham. And so we see that even in, in, in redemption history, right, throughout Israel's history, God is the one who makes himself known to his people. It's inherent in our time we see God over and over and over again making himself known to his people. Alright, we're at Exodus 3, uh, 3, and Moses Again, and another another point in the history of Israel, in redemption history, God is the one who makes himself known. Because Moses is looking for God. You know what Moses was doing out in the wilderness in the first place? 
Does anyone know? Does anyone remember the story about this? All right, his mom put him in a basket because because Pharaoh was killing all the children in Egypt, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. Do you remember when he left Egypt? He was wrong. He killed somebody. He murdered somebody. So he clearly wasn't looking for God. He was trying to escape judgment. He was trying to seek justice. I think God was the one who saw that. God is the one who revealed Himself to Moses. It is God who acts. It is God who makes Himself known. Again, uh, in First Samuel three ten, who has that? Go ahead, read that for us. Awesome. So, if, uh, if you're not familiar with the story of Samuel, uh, Samuel's mother uh, had trouble uh, bearing children, and she prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to service. And so she had a baby, and she named him Samuel. She brought him to the temple to, to serve God. And in this particular story, the Lord is calling out to Samuel. Yeah, the Lord actually called him three or four times. And uh, Samuel uh, thought it was Eli, the priest. And so Samuel is sleeping at night, and all of a sudden he hears Samuel. So he runs over to Eli, and like, Eli just called me. And Eli's like, it's the middle of the night, why don't call me to go back to bed? That happened three times. And finally, Eli like, was kind of made aware of, Clearly, somebody's calling him, and it's not me, must God. And so Eli tells him, hey, the next time he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is And so that's what we see here in verses 10 and 11. The Lord called out to Samuel. And Samuel is considered the first uh, of the major prophets. Now, of course, Moses uh, was also, we were also considered Moses the prophet. Uh, but as far as the, the major prophets in Israel, uh, Samuel is really considered, he's considered the last judge and sort of the first. Of, of the prophets. Uh, we see later in Acts that Peter actually affirms this. God spoke to the prophets starting with Samuel and throughout them afterwards. But but this is significant, right? Uh, does anyone know what a prophet is? What a prophet does? Hmm? He's a messenger, right? A prophet is a messenger. So the prophet of God is a messenger of right? God intended to speak to his people to make himself known. And he did so through the prophets. And we see God revealing himself to the prophet here in, um, in, in, in verse 8. Right? When God is calling his first prophet, he tells he, he makes himself known to Samuel. And even when Samuel doesn't get it the first three times, God continues to, to pursue Samuel and continues to make himself known to Samuel. And lastly, Hebrews 1 1. Awesome. So, here at the beginning of, of this uh, letter to the Hebrews, right? It starts out like this long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So, God, it, it wasn't a matter of God's people having to sort of ascend to some knowledge of God or, or, or ascend to God so that He could uh, speak to them. No, God spoke to His people. And he made a way for himself to be heard to his people. Right? We see that God, throughout the entirety of Israel's history, we saw it at creation, we saw it uh, with Moses, we saw it when he called the prophets, and we see here in the New Testament that this is reaffirmed that throughout the history of Israel, God spoke to his people. He intended to make 
himself. No. Anyone who tells you there's no way for man to know God is insulting and blaspheming God, and God can't make himself known. It's contrary to what the scripture is, and like I say, it's an insult to God. It's like he's incapable. Again, we talked about this creator creature distinction. There's no way for you to make yourself known, right? You make yourself known to the entire creation. Why not? Because you're not God, but God can, right? God can. And to simply project onto God, right, our own limitations is insulting. And like I said, honestly, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy to say that God can't be And so we see that God intends himself to be known. God is knowable. He, he, he has made a way to be known to his creature. And so how is it? How is it that God speaks to us? Alright? Because as you see in this passage in Hebrews, alright, long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Do we have prophets today? We don't. We don't have prophets today. So how does God speak to us today? Through the Bible. That's one way. There's two primary ways that God speaks to us. Okay? The first one is called general revelation. All of you say that general, general revelation. revelation. The second way is through special revelation. Everyone say that with special, special revelation. revelation. Those are the only two ways that God speaks to us. Right? That's the only two ways that spoke to his people back then. And we'll kind of get into that uh, a little bit. But the first way is general revelation or natural revelation. When it comes to general revelation, this is God speaking through his creation. Right? Uh, if you um, have any of you watched like uh, Prime, like TV show TSI, Woo! Yes. Woo! Uh, you know, and, you know, especially since 9 11, any time that, that you watch these crime shows, they inevitably at some point are dealing with somebody who makes bombs. Someone who is intending to set bombs off in private places. And every time they, they deal with these people who are setting bombs off, what's the, what's the one thing they do? Is they look at this bomb and they say, there are signatures of the designer, right? There's signatures of the designer. Now, we live in a world where they say there is no designer, everything happens by random chance, and there's just time and chance acting on matter. There was nothing, and then suddenly there was something. There's no design. But I've seen, like, we, we can't live consistently with that, right? And in the crime, the, the writers of crime TV shows know that. They know that, no, if there's evidence of a designer, that points. Or if there's evidence of design, that points to a designer, right? Well, there's evidence of design in creation. God's creation testifies to who he is. And so there's a couple passages we're going to look at concerning general revelation. Let me get someone to look at Psalm 19, 22. Everybody else on the drive, right? And then uh, Romans 1, 19, and 22. All right. So starting in uh, Psalm 19, 22. All right. So the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork, day to day, and pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. Well, we're going to make it out clear. Claims to see where day to day they pour out speech. The creation is testifying to who God is. When you look at the sunset, you say, Man, that's a beautiful sunset. The sunset is saying, It's pointing to its creator. It's pointing to God. It's telling you, No, no, no. The beauty is not in, in, in the creation, the beauty is in the creator. 
When you climb a mountaintop, you get to see, you know, the vast landscape. You can see for miles. It's testifying, it's proclaiming the greatness of God. Who here has been to the ocean? Yes, everyone has been to the ocean. When you see the ocean, just the, the sort of majesty of the ocean, but also the terror of the ocean, man, the ocean is dangerous. Anyone who's been any time in the ocean knows the ocean is dangerous. And it's testifying to the nature of God, the greatness, the power, the might, who God is. Creation testifies to who God is. That's what terrible revelation is. And then go ahead and read Romans 1, 19 and 22 for us. Glory to be known as our for it is a visible attribute made in the eternal power of divine nature, and they clearly perceive ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Awesome. Again, Romans, the book of Romans, um, I don't like to think they were books of the Bible, but it's probably one of my favorites. Uh, and what Paul lays out, he says, he says that uh, what can be known about God is plain to them. Is it plain to them because humans are such fine creatures who are capable of such vast knowledge? No, why does it say that it's plain to them? It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. God is the one who makes himself known. God makes himself known through creation. And think about this for a second. So when we talk about God making himself known through creation, we're not just talking about the creation out there, right? Because what else falls under creation? What else falls in the not God category? We do. Your very existence testifies to you of who God is. And it's not just a sort of, you know, ethereal, like, vague, abstract, like, you know, God in general, you know, just a higher power. It's just no. It says, uh, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so much so that they're without excuse. So, it's not only that God communicates clearly. But God communicates so clearly that when we stand before Him on Judgment Day, and if we reject God, if we reject our Creator, we will have no excuse because His day is so clear and plain to us who He is. God intends Himself to be known. He makes Himself known in general revelation, or He makes Himself known in the created order. God speaks to us every day in the things that have to happen. But there's another way that God speaks to us. There's general revelation, and then there's what's the second one? Special revelation. So we have general revelation, right? Which is the revelation of God uh, in the created order, right? It's a general revelation, like everyone has. Then we have a special revelation. There's a special revelation. There's a special way that God communicates to us. And we saw, we saw that God did that at one point in that one time through the prophets, right? When the prophets spoke on behalf of God, that was special revelation. When they brought a word from God, was that a word that was, that was um, evident in the created order? No, it wasn't. It was something else. It was a special kind of revelation that God was giving to his people. So we see God speaks in general revelation and in special revelation. There's a few passages we're going to look at uh, uh, on this issue. So first, uh, let me get someone to look at Hebrews 1, 1, 2. Alright, let me get someone to look at 2 Peter 1, 19 and 21. Alright, and then last is 2 Timothy 3, 16. Okay, uh, so starting in uh, uh, Hebrews 1, uh, it's actually just Hebrews 1, 1, not 1, 2. So read Hebrews 1, we've actually already read this already. 
But go ahead and read that for us. Hebrews 1 what? Long ago, I had many times in the days God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Alright, so that special revelation, God speaking to his people through the prophets, that special revelation. Let me get uh, who had 2 Peter 1 uh, 19 to 22. Alright, let's read that for us. Okay. And the act of the prophetic word is more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a land shining in birth place until the day dawn when you are surviving in your hearts. Knowing the first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from a certain own interpretation, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke. So in this passage of, of Peter's letter, he makes clear there's no prophecy that was ever produced by the will of man. Right? And he says that the prophecies of scripture don't come from someone's own interpretation or where they come from. That man spoke along, or men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The special revelation. So we see that God spoke through the prophets, and God spoke through the prophets that the special revelation. And we see here that what Peter says is that what's laid out for us in the scriptures, right? In this Bible that you have in your hand is special revelation. That is God speaking through men as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see God speaking in prophecy, we see God speaking in his um, in his word. And then lastly, uh, let's read 2 Timothy 3, 16. All spirits are agreed on by God, and all people for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in higher Awesome. So again, right, we see that what Paul tells Timothy is that all scripture is breathed out by God. Where have we seen the breath of God already in the scripture? When he created man. When he created man, right? God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Man is a living creature, he's a living soul because of the breath of God. Where do we see the breath of God again? In his revelation, in his scripture. Again, this goes back to what Jesus said in John 17, 3, that eternal life is bound up in the knowledge of God. The breath of God, our very life source, is wrapped up in his word, is wrapped up in his scriptures. And so we see that God speaks in, uh, we see that God speaks in nature through general revelation, we see that God speaks uh, through special revelation, through prophets, and through the writings of Scripture. But we've already right? Do, are we adding books to this Bible? No. So how does that speak to us now? The Bible. Right, through the Bible. But well, why don't we have Scripture? Why don't we write more Scripture? Huh? It's all been perfected. How? How has it been perfected? The Bible. Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus as the rest. Jesus is the final revelation of God. God spoke to our fathers in many times and in many ways through the prophets, but the final revelation of God is His Son, Jesus Christ. You go to that next slide. So God's final revelation is His Son, Jesus. Right? That's why we don't add anything to the scripture. Because God has given us His final revelation in His Son. Right, the hands and clothes. Anything you have to say after Christ is spoken through the apostles, the apostles of God. Revelation was closed. We see that the revelation, the closing of Revelation is prophesied in the Old Testament. 
But the reason that we don't need further scriptures, the reason we don't need anything else, is because we have Jesus. And so let me get someone to look up uh, John 1, 14 through 18, okay? And then lastly, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. All right, John 1, verse 14 through 18. Okay. We got it? Okay, I promise. Not first John, John. Yeah. Yes. And the world became blessed and dwelt among us, and we have seen the glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about God and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who has come after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one ever seen God, the only God, who is actually called inside. He has made him. There's so much that's wrapped up in these passages of Scripture. We see that the Word, the eternal Word. I looked at John 1 1 already. It was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word. Became flesh and dwelt among us. And it says there in verse 18, No one has ever seen God, the only God was a prophesied. He has made him known. How does God make himself known? What is the final, the last way that God makes himself known is through Jesus Christ. Think about this for a second. We talk so much about the creator creature distinction. There's no way for the creature, there's no way for not God to get to God. What did God do? Right? He made himself known at several points throughout Israel's history. But finally, what God did is he became human. God left his not his God category and entered the non-God category. What was uncreated became created. What was eternal, what was infinite, became finite. In Jesus, taking on human flesh, we can see God. In the person of Jesus. Jesus is the final revelation of who God is. And then lastly, uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times in many years, the gospel of our fathers were taught. The Lord is in the first day, he was born in the life of the Son, and he was born in the year of all the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and in that incarnation, so we read that first portion of Hebrews 1 several times, right? Long ago, many times, in many ways, I spoke to our fathers about prophets. Special revelation, that's how God did it. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things for whom he also created the world. And now listen to what it tells us about Jesus. He is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of the 
is an hour and a half. Maybe your patient was saying, sat down and write on the next Jesus is the exact instrument of God nature. No one can know God, but Jesus is made known. Why is Jesus made known? Because Jesus is God. There's no way for us as creatures to cross this heaven. There's no way for us as creatures to know who God is. But God has made himself known. And many times and in many ways, through the created order, through his prophets, through his scriptures, and finally he's made himself known in the person world of Jesus. We cannot know who this Jesus is without the written word. Without this life, the very breath of God. God intended man to know him in creation. When sin removed them from God's presence, when Adam and sin were cast out from God's presence, uh, thereby widening the gap between the creature and the creator, God made a way for mankind to reconcile himself. We see God working through redemption history, to make himself known, progressively revealing more and more who he is to mankind, and now in these last cases, he is final revelation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice because Jesus Christ is not dead, but he's alive and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And now his Holy Spirit has inscripturated that knowledge for us. He has carried them along as we spoke from God. And we have that word, we can trust that word. We can trust that word because it depends on God's ability to communicate, not on our ability to grasp And the reality is that if you do not know God, if you do not encounter the Son, Jesus Christ, hear this. You have sinned. We have all sinned. You're all sinners. And because of our sin, we are condemned to die. But God has made a way to pay for our sins. God, before the foundations of the world elect our people unto himself, he sent his son into the world. That word became flesh to live the righteousness that we could never attain under the law. Pay the penalty despite his perfection of the law. Pay the penalty for our sins. But it doesn't end there. Not only did he die, not only did he pay the penalty for our sins, not only was he the perfect sacrifice, but he did not stay dead. Instead, he was raised again. He was made alive again. And because Christ was raised from the dead, we too can be raised from our deadness and sin. And one day, too, we will also be raised from the dead. See, we've been talking about a lot. We've been talking about a lot of big concepts. But the reality is that God, the triune God, the sovereign God of Scripture, intends Himself to be known. And the truth is, is that if we reject that knowledge, we'll have no excuse because God has spoken clearly to us. And so my call to you is to repent, repent of your sin, turn from your sin. And place your hope in your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The exact imprint of who God is. The one who has made God known to us. Let's pray for you and we will sing the songs of Jesus Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have made yourself known. God, we're sinners. We have sinned. We have trespassed against the Holy God. We are not worthy to be in your presence. Lord, we are worthy of damnation. We are worthy of death. But you have made a way through your son to reconcile us to you. God, we would have no way 
You would have no way of transcending our creatureliness, our creativeness, to know our creator. But you have condescended to us to make yourself known. God, we thank you that our knowledge of you does not depend on our ability to ascend to that knowledge, Lord, but it depends on you. It depends on your ability to speak to us. God, and as the triune sovereign God of Scripture, we know that you are perfectly capable of making yourself known to us. God, we thank you that you spoke for your prophets. God, we thank you that we have the written words. God, that you carry them along as they spoke from you. God, finally, we thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. We thank you that we can look to him to know what you truly are. We can see the, the perfection in your character. God, we can see the exact different uh, of you and your son. God, we thank you that he is not dead, but he is alive. We see that right now. And so, Lord, I pray for these students. God, I pray for their students who have not encountered this time. Lord, they have not come under the conviction of their sins. Lord, if they have not led to Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, Lord, I pray that you would be in that heart of them. God, that you would reveal yourself to them through your Holy Spirit. God, that you would raise them to you in this life. We pray all this in the Son's precious name. Amen.